just move this over. If you have your Bibles, if you just turn with me, uh, briefly I'd like to share with you about ministry and about service. We have an example of it in Aaron's coming, but also right here at Beth Ariel, you know, we look at what Aaron has uh, done in India and Israel and what he's going to be doing here in the States and in San Francisco and really around the world as your publications are spread out. But we also need to be thinking about our ministry here in the greater Los Angeles area in the valley and here at Beth Ariel. I've been reading an interesting book by Tim Keller uh, entitled Every Good Endeavor. And it's about, it's really about uh, a biblical study on work, what the scripture teaches about work and our involvement in the world around us. This morning when we came together to pray, Bob had mentioned that he, in his prayer, that the Lord would bless our endeavor, you know, so it sort of struck a chord. I happened to think about this because in the, not in the preface or the forward, but in the opening page, uh, Tim Keller has a quote from the liner notes of an album that was produced in 1964 by John Coltrane. John Coltrane is a great uh, jazz saxophonist. And I remember a number of years ago when I was sort of trying to expand my horizons with music that I would turn on the jazz station and just listen as much as I could and sort of try to get into the groove that was being presented on the airwaves. And over and over you'd hear John Coltrane, John Coltrane and how important he is to jazz. So then I went to the library and took out some of these CDs and I'm listening to their, his music and I just cannot identify with it. I couldn't enjoy it, couldn't, you know, get into this. And yet, when I'd listen to individuals speaking about John Coltrane on NPR, or I'd read articles, he is like considered the great of jazz uh, musicians. And his album, recorded in 1964, called A Love Supreme, is considered one of the most important albums ever recorded. So just the other day, I downloaded it to try to, okay, I should listen to this if the uh, people who know this stuff are telling us it is so great. But in the liner notes to it, he, uh, and I, I printed this out, I went online to get it, but on the liner notes to that album, he says this, Dear listener, all praise be to God to whom all praise is due. Let us pursue him in the righteous path. Yes, it is true. Seek and you shall find. Only through him can we know the most wondrous bequeathal. He says, during the year 1957, I experienced by the grace of God a spiritual awakening which was to lead me to a richer, fuller, more productive life. At that time, in gratitude, I humbly asked to be given the means and privilege to make others happy through music. I feel this has been granted through his grace. All praise to God. And then he concludes by saying this, this album is a humble offering to him, an attempt to say thank you, God, through our work, even as we do in our hearts and with our tongues. May he help and strengthen all men in every good endeavor. Now that just blew me away as I thought about uh, this album that he had recorded. 
Now I want to listen to it more and more, you know. And it's entitled A Love Supreme because he mentions, I didn't read all the liner notes, but he mentions that the grace of God revealed to him the love of God, which is the love supreme. And as a consequence, he concludes that the work he would do in recording this album was meant to do two things, make others happy and to give glory to him as an offering of thanksgiving for what the Lord had given him. That is how we are to think of our work, but that's how we are to think of ministry as well. In a way, work can be divided into two parts. Vocational work, what we do to make a living, and our ministry work, what we do in service to God, although all is ultimately in service to God. But we live our lives in, the way, in, in this way. We go to work and we look forward to the day that we have off, where we would have the weekend off. But isn't it interesting that in Genesis, God works six days and he takes one day off. And then we're told to work six days with one day off with one day to rest. And the reason why we sort of have it backwards, you know, I would think, why can't we just work one day and have six days off? (laughs) You know, or, all right, we'll split it. You know, we can work four days and have three days off. But we're to work six days and have one day off. Most of us get two days off. But the reason we think that way is because we don't think well about what it means to serve and what it means to work. When I think about work, I'm drawn to the book of Genesis. Because in the book of Genesis, I know I asked you to turn to Romans 12, but in the book of Genesis, we're told some three or four times about work in the very first two chapters of the book. When Genesis opens up, we're told how God created all that is, the universe, at least all that we know of or about. But then when it concludes his working or having created, we read in chapter 2, verse 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. It's really strange to think of God working, isn't it? But in his act of working, the first thing he does is he creates. The second thing that he does in chapter 2, where he continu- it says that he, again, works, is that he provides care for what he has done. So if you look at chapter 2, he says, When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field, no plant of the field, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, but streams came up from the ground. Then it says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, breathed to him, became a living being. Then it says in verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden. And then it says in verse 9, and he put the man in the garden, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye. Then in verse 10, a river watering the garden flowed. The name of the first, he tells us. And then he tells us in verse 15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And so we find that God, in working, he first creates what comes into existence. And then secondly, he cares for it. 
And then as he creates mankind, as he creates men and women, as he forms man out of the dust of the ground, later at woman out of the side of, of the man, he places the man in the garden to work the garden. So the idea is that our work is really to be something that is in partnership with God. Our work is to be a way of demonstrating we're creating the image of God. Our work is to be a way in which we can give thanks and to give praise to God and to join him in his creation. So we too are given gifts whereby we can be creators, as it were. And as you read Genesis chapter 1, there's all these different statements about how God makes the world. And so sometimes it says that he said this and it was so. Then it says that he put this and placed this, such as the stars, the sun, and the moon. When he comes to man, he forms him. He becomes like a sculptor. When he places these objects in the sky, he's sort of like a painter. When he calls something into being, he's simply a creator. He's a designer. He's a color coordinator. He's a shape integrator. He does all of these things, and that's just on the very, you know, uh, just the top of the list of things we can think of. And then God makes man, human beings, in his image, places us in God's world that he has made, and he says, I want you to join me by caring for what I've made, to embellishing upon it, and utilizing its resources for the common good and for one another. When we look at Romans chapter 12, if we have this idea in mind, Paul tells us that in the body of Messiah, among those that know the Lord and have embraced him and have found salvation, that we are told that grace has been given to us. He says in verse 3, for by the grace given me, and we could say to given all of us, but he says, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And then he goes on to share how each one of us are members of his body. We're a family. We're connected to each other. And so in this body, he's given us to one another as gifts to one another, as members of one another, with various gifts to help one another, enhance each other, to make one another happy, fulfilled, joyful, and purposeful in the world that God has, made, uh, has placed us in. He tells us we should think of ourselves with sober thinking. I think what Paul means, especially if we look at the earlier chapters of Romans, which he has just written about, I think what he means to say is we are to always remember of the fact that we are sinners saved by grace. That we are individuals that are very frail. We are individuals that are ultimately lost. And we are in need of God's grace to save us. As one pastor has said, our sinfulness is greater, greater than we can ever imagine. Or that we would even dare to think about. But on the other hand, grace has been extended to us. And so he tells us, that not only are we sinners greater than we might ever think, but we are loved greater than we could ever hope. And so there's this two-pronged, two-sided issues we need to always be thinking about in service. We're to think of ourselves soberly. We're lost people who, without God's grace, could be of no help 
to anyone. But despite how lost we are and have been, God's grace is greater still. And so that's why he says to think of ourselves in accordance with the measure of faith God has granted to us. We've come to realize that we are saved by him. And because we've been saved by him and empowered by him, we can now be purposeful in the world that God has placed us in. And we could, as it were, join him in what he is doing in our world and among us. So he tells us in Romans chapter 12 that we are members and we have different gifts. In another passage in the book of Corinthians, he will say, what would it be like if the fingers could say to the hands, I have no need for you? Or if the hand could say to the arm, I have no need for you? We are in need of one another. From Romans 12, Paul would say, how could it be that the hand could say, what need do I have for the body? What need do I have for one another? In other words, not only does the hand need the fingers, but the hand needs the body. The arm needs the body. The heart needs the body. So from Paul's perspective, it's not just enough to see the connecting links we have, but rather the context in which those connecting links are incorporated. We are a body and we are a family and therefore we need one another. And God has granted us a variety of gifts that we might be empowered and enabled to serve each other. Now it is amazing and it was amazing to me as we were thinking about as we start the new year and how we want to reach out to our community. Outreach is critically important as the scripture tells us, but also critically important to us as elders and as a congregation as we think of the task before us to bring the good news to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and all people with whom we can share our faith with. And as we started thinking about this and we thought we ought to start our year with a congregational meeting where we can't come together and talk about where we may be headed and we have done that and we'll be doing more so that we're continually in connection with one another. Probably in May, we'll have our first financial meeting where our hope is to establish a budget so we see exactly how our funds are doing and where we're headed in terms of the utilization of them and how God would have us use them for his honor and for his glory. So we want to have a financial meeting sooner than we've had in the past. So we're launching out into this year with this insight that we would have as well. I wanted to share with one another, share with us, about our ministries and what is actually going on at Beth Ariel because oftentimes we're not fully aware of all that is happening. So I asked Michelle and we started putting this together. We started contacting individuals to tell us of those individuals who are working with you in ministry. And this was an eye-opener of all that goes on here. For example, and there are like 17 different ministries that are, or or categories of ministries. So I want to share them with you. I want to tell you the people who are involved, the number of people who are involved. And I hope this will encourage us to pray for one another, but also say, hey, where can I get plugged in to participate as well? For example, at the top of the list, not that this was what I put at the top of the list, but at the top of the list is the music and worship team. And here are some names of individuals that are involved. Edward is involved with that. 
Charlene, his wife, Suzanne, Miriam, Scott, who hasn't been here for a while because of his own personal circumstances, but will be here shortly. Uh, Jamie is involved with that. Lori, Deb, and Vince, Emily, Hannah, Tony, one of our drummers. Chris, David, one of our bass players. Lola, Chuck, Mark, who's another guitar player. Isn't that amazing? All these individuals that come in and out of our musical, uh, our worship team. Our soundboard and our overheads, they're arranged by Edward, his son Jarrell, Justin with the dreadlocks and the paisley shirt today. Where is, where is he? Uh, but Justin, Anne, and Mitch have been involved with that. Every worship, we light the candles, giving attention to Messiah, who is the light of the world and the light of our lives. And individuals like Susie and Eleanor and Megan and Michelle and Lime and Hannah and Emily and Della and Anna and Laura have all participated in lighting our candles and come forward in service. We have ushers and greeters who greet individuals, open up these doors, welcome people who come, help serve the Lord's Supper and uh, reach out to one another. Individuals like Lime and Mark and Robert and Della and Sandy and Eileen and Roger Smith and Eb- Emma and Deborah and Jag and Gaelin and Sharon and Henri, Eleanor and Laura and Gary and Linda and Al and Diane, Peyton and Roger and Jody and Dan and Anna and Shirley and Roger. I mean, you know, we could go on. If you're not greeting, you're like, you know, where are you, you know? But, you know, we sort of take these things for granted because we just come and we enjoy one another and we enjoy the Lord. But it doesn't just happen. It happens because people stand up and say, you can count on me. I will be there. I will serve. I want to work like God has worked in creating the world and caring for it. I, too, want to invest my energies and my talents and my time and my abilities in investing in caring for the flock in any little way or big way that I can. We say in our Level 1 seminar, every member of the body of Messiah and every member of Beth Ariel, whether regular or tender, everyone who's here, you know, is a minister. That is to say, is one who serves. And everyone who is here who knows the Lord has been given a gift of the Spirit of God, and many have been given more than one. We have one, and and most of us have multiple gifts that God has entrusted to us. And every task that goes on here, everything we do is important because it brings glory to God. It's to make others happy and it's to bring fulfillment and joy into each other's lives. We have a refreshment team. This is another one, you know, you run out of breath. But the individuals like Diane and Esther and Sharon, Zipporah, Margie and Dup and Suzanne and Teresa and Emma and Willa and Jody and Jackie and Andy and Shirley and Marlinda and Ruth and Donna and Judy all participate. There weren't too many men's names in there. I don't know if they're, you know. But there should be more of us guys perhaps in there if they'll let us, if they'll let us. Then we have all kinds of special events. And by the way, I'm only like halfway through this list right now. There are all kinds of special events that involve Maria and Michelle and Jody and Rick and Dup and Beverly and Andy and Linda and Juliet. Our missions team that Michelle had mentioned and the individuals, missionaries that we support. We have a team 
called the Sunshine Team that take care of people who are shut-ins or when they are sick or in the hospital. They visit them. They let me know that there's someone that needs visiting, and I try to go as well, but they're always there. And these are individuals like Eileen and Sandy and Jackie and Diane and Jody and Lime and Beverly. Mary Lou is involved with that. And then we have our children's ministry. Then you saw John who went out with the young people and Dana and Shay. Justin has helped with that. Rick and Greg. Martha has uh, been an integral part of that over the years and continues to be. Cheryl's involved with that. There's a community care and prayer. Everybody here should be on our mailing list to receive prayer requests that come in. If you don't want to read them, that's fine, but you should have them available. You should know what's happening in the lives of individuals who have needs, and we should lift them up in prayer. And you might say, well, I don't have time to pray for everyone. Well, you just have to read it, and while you're reading it, say, Lord, take care of this one. Take care of this one. Take care of this one. And when you see that one, you'll say, is the Lord taking care of you? I pray that God might. We don't have to pray long and hard for it to be significant before God. uh, Yeshua himself tells us it isn't how much we speak that gets God's attention. It's simply that we speak in truth and in sincerity and truth as worshipers before God. But Mary Lou uh, is involved with that and sends out the requests uh, that come. There's an administration team. Michelle is our administrative coordinator, but along with Jean and Adelaide and Dolly and Gay Ellen and Lee and Maria, they help to keep us on track and in order. They're working on a a new uh, directory. They're putting together a a database so that the database will have everyone in it, what their gifts are, where they're serving, so that if we want to get everybody that has this gift together to talk with them or this ministry, we can do that. But Michelle is basically spearheading this with those that are working with her who have uh, insight into this. There's a dance ministry team. You know, there are very few, um, you know, congregations. I'm the same Messianic congregations, churches out there that have dance ministry teams. Uh, I don't think in all the years that I've gone to various different churches speaking or even in the church I had pastored that there was a dance ministry team. And for me, I find it to be extremely lovely to see individuals, except for Rick, but extremely lovely to see our folks, and even Rick, and I I know he knows, I'm just joking, but to see them come and to give praise to God through movement. There's something, you know, when they're not here, it's almost like the worship becomes two-dimensional and flat for me. Some might be saying, I don't know, (laughs) you know, but for me... And I hope for all of us, there's a, there's a lack when we don't see these folks up here. And when it's there going on, all of a sudden, it's, the worship seems to be transformed into a three-dimensional level. There's something there. I don't know if I can quantify, put my hands on it, but I lose something when they're not there. And so I very much appreciate the dimension everyone brings to our congregation, but not least of which the dance ministry team. I like it when people are dancing and then someone gets up and says, hey, I want count me in. I want to come in now. You know, it's, I have a hard time raising my hands in worship. You know, this, you know some, I have a hard time dancing in worship. But I have an, an impossible time dancing. So to that, my hat is off to you, Ray. But, you know, raising my hands in worship, it's just not for me. But when I see a lot of people do it, it sort of helps me, you know, maybe I'm, you know, I sneak it up there. 
And I think that happens for people with dance. They see dance and they say, you know, I want to get involved with that. And so I rejoice in this ministry team. Corey and Rick. Corey heads it up, of course. Martha and Hannah have been involved. Like Gay Ellen, Teresa, Rachel, Sean. Hannah has been. Hannah Welch has been. Hannah Gross has been involved with that. Betty Lou, Jody, T, uh, Talia. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and there, I, I'm sure that there are others. I'm just not thinking of. But the worship in dance is a critical thing. Just two more, and we're out of here. There's, after service, once a month, there's a group of people who go over to our assisted living uh, home, and they bring the good news to them. They pray with them. They hold their hand, and they simply let them know that there are some that care for them and are aware that they are present, and they bring the good news before them. Our Sunrise Assisted Living Outreach. And so Eileen uh, and Sandy head that up. Miriam and Stella have been involved. John has been involved. Greg and Adam and Janine have been there. Corey and Gaelin and Betty Lou, Teresa, Judy, and Justin uh, go over. The dance ministry team often, don't you guys go over? All the time. They're over there as well. And so these are our ministries that are going on here at Beth Ariel. There are other ministries. Unfortunately, something you did not hear is our evangelistic ministry, right? We didn't hear the word outreach, although a lot of these things are outreach at the assisted living, for example. But there isn't that evangelistic sort of thrust that we need to be concerned with, thinking about, praying about, and preparing for. We are all to do, as Paul says, the work of an evangelist. Yeshua tells us, go into all the world, make disciples. We read every Sunday, you are my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I know that is a tough one for most of us, for whatever reason. But that, too, needs to be on here. And hopefully by the end of this year and before, it will be on here in a significant way. And last but not least, of course, are, is the leadership of Beth Ariel. What I'd like to do is to just invite them to come on up. And we'll close our service, uh, or at least this moment, with prayer for our congregation, where we're going, and for one another, that the Lord, in his grace, though we are fallen, he will use us mightily and purposefully in our world and in our body to benefit one another and to bring life and light and joy, uh, happiness uh, to one another as we experience his grace uh, in service. So Chris is not feeling well today, so he's not here. But Bob and Jerry and Chuck, and of course these three guys have been the, uh, the foundation. <laughs> right? They've been the foundation of Beth Ariel, you know, 25 plus years, I guess. These guys have been here serving faithfully. They've seen the ups, they've seen the downs, They've uh, seen various visionary enterprises come and go. They've seen individuals here and uh, come and go. And yet, uh, here they are. They remain faithful to the work God has called uh, them to. And th that reminds me of this passage in 1 Corinthians. And, uh, and then we'd like to lead our congregation in prayer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15... 
Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 15, I think it's 58. Let me just get that here. He says this, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And uh, that is a real word to these guys that stand firm over the years they've had. They've worked the work of the Lord as the Lord has called them and assigned them. And they are to be encouraged that their labor in the Lord is never in vain. Not only for them, but for all of us who labor for our Lord and Savior. So let's stand together and let's commit our congregation which means ourselves to the Lord uh, in service for him in this coming year. Let's pray.